Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. Welcome to the Throwing Jabs Podcast with Jace Garcia and Jared Jones. And still undefeated, Adam Babyface Kolnatsky. Welcome back to the Throwing Jabs Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Jace Garcia, and I'm joined, like always, with Jared Jones. And let's just dive right into the recaps for the fights that happened this weekend, starting off with what happened Friday on UFC Fight Pass. Eva Wallstrom retains her WBC Super Featherweight title in a split draw against Ronica Jeffrey. The judges had it. One had it, 96-94 Wallstrom. One had it, 190 Jeffrey. And the other judge had it 95-95 for a draw. Jared, what are your thoughts on this decision? I kind of like the decision in a draw. I thought it was a back-and-forth fight. Ronica Jeffrey did a lot better than I thought. I picked Wallstrom to win this fight. Um, and I do I do have a thought. Uh, it's just a little all over the place to me, you know, to call it a 10-point must. And so one judge had it 10-0. One of them had it 5-5. And one of them had it 6-4 the other way. So they're a little all over the place, and I think yeah. uh, I think the hometown scoring could have may have played a part here. That's an often an argument that people make is the hometown guy got the decision or girl got the decision every time. So, what do you think of head uh, of um, noise canceling headphones for judges? They're sitting right there ringside. It's tough to differentiate the screaming crowd yeah. from the silence when the other fighter lands punches I, I like that or even have them in a press box up away from the crowd because the crowd does like i i know it's a big thing in ufc and you see the same thing in boxing they always say end the round put your hands up make it look like you won the round because yeah. judges a lot of judges are stupid so they don't really know <laughs> if they see you celebrating they're gonna think oh maybe he did win that round yeah if, it, if it's a close round you don't know so, yeah, I think it, even in like maybe a remote location or in a press box, if they can see it and not be swayed by the crowd or by the coaches yelling, yeah, that was a good round, that stuff does play a part yeah. in a decision. Yeah, you get the Ric Flairs every time they wear the, every time they land a punch. I say, <laughs> I say the headphones because when you get that far away, sometimes it's a little more difficult to tell the impact of, you know, comparing one punch to another punch yeah. on the TV is different than when you're sitting right there ringside yeah. and see the punches land. All, you, yeah, I agree with that. But also I think they should have TV accessible and they should be able to have a line to the truck saying, hey, I saw this. L let me get a replay of that just to make sure that they have the best knowledge and yeah, checks and balances going, for them. Yeah, and if we can, and if and if some of these things make sense, I mean, we should try them or or be told why they don't make sense. There you go. Moving on to the other fights that happened this Saturday, uh, we had two fights that ended in similar fashion. We're gonna start off talking about the the kid knockout CP Freshmart. Wins via an eight-round unanimous decision and due to an accidental headbutt that caused a cut, a knockout CP Freshmart got the win. But the thing is, is this talent good enough? I know he has a belt. I know he won a belt. But he's fighting people in Thailand, his home country, as well as we can't even see the fights for Not ourselves. Yeah, well, the only thing I'd say about this is that it looked good on paper. Yeah. Knockout CP Freshmont looks good on paper. His opponent looked okay on paper. The matchup looked pretty good on paper. The fight looked pretty good on paper. We can't see it. Good on paper is all you can say about this yeah. or any of it, really. So. Yeah, and I, I want to say that these are decent opponents, that the he is actually winning these fights because it is Thailand, and I know with Muay Thai, they have a strong connection to combat yeah. sports so i i hope everything's all good when it comes to his legitimate credibility yeah yeah well it's not like we've never had good fighters come yeah. from over there like yeah. you said it's it's a bastion for especially tie fighters um and yeah it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a tough guy come out of there 
Sure. Yeah. Now, moving on, we had the exact same thing happen for our co-main event on PBC, on Fox. Jean Pascal wins the WBA interim light heavyweight title in a confusing accidental headbutt in the eighth round over Marcus Brown. All judges had it 75-74. Now, it, it was hectic the way it ended. Yeah. The Hellacious one, cut, too. Yes, yes. It was nasty. An accidental headbutt. But the thing I don't like about the, the way it ended, the judges gave that last round, which was a total of 30 seconds, n- not really many punches thrown, and then there was the headbutt. They gave that last round to Jean Pascal. I think in any book that's a draw, that last round, nothing happened besides the headbutt. And I think we should be having a 74-74. That fight should have been a draw. What do you think of that, Jared? Uh, that's that's tough. You're past the point of no decision. This is this is a form over substance type of argument, though, because but they did it by the rules, and you're supposed to score that 30 seconds, and by the rules, Jean Pascal won this fight. What I thought of right when you were reading that, it's so funny, I had a little brainwave as you were reading, Jean Pascal wins the WBA interim light heavyweight title. When I first heard as a child, light heavyweight, I went, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The hell is a light heavyweight? How do you be a light heavyweight? You know, it didn't make sense. It's like you're you're using that to divide heavyweight into like big heavy. And then, then, then I heard a super heavyweight. And I was like, okay, are these guys big or not? Yeah. One of them's light and the other one's super. I don't get it. Now we've added WBA lightweight heavy. Lightweight, heavyweight. So that means there's other ones that aren't WBA. And now we have an interim. Light it. This guy, don't get confused. No matter who wins this fight, like Marcus Brown, and I think Jean Pascal's tough as nails. I told you this was going to be a pretty good fight. Neither one of these guys is the light heavyweight champion. No. Light heavyweight just defines the weight class. In my in my age, I figured that out. But the rest of this stuff, WBA and interim and intercontinental and continental and, you know, why doesn't my town have a heavyweight champion? Yeah, yeah. Why don't we have a Connecticut School of Broadcasting heavyweight (laughs) champion? Because I don't know if Joe could really mess with you, Jace. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if he could get at you like that. So, So, yeah, I mean, you cut it up so many times that everybody's walking away with a belt, and those aren't champions of the world. Those are trinkets for the best guy that night, and that's what Jean Pascal won, so I'm not really worried about it. I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch. Bivol is the light heavyweight champion. Yeah. And Betterbev is the guy that I think is going to take the belt from him. Um, And Kovalev belongs in the conversation. Yeah. So, so I've again and again that light heavyweight division is is one of the really exciting. You have guys there that are as good as advertised. This Pascal Brown fight, I'd have liked to see Brown pull it off. Like I said, I wouldn't mind a rematch, but uh, that was not for any top of the light heavyweight division. No matter what the WBA would like. You to yeah, I, I thought Brown was winning the fight. I mean, Pascal had those two knockdowns. But Brown was using his jab, keeping him. He was in bed. being outboxed. Yeah, yeah, he got yeah. knockdowns, but he was being outboxed. Yeah, yeah and I, it, it was a good performance by Brown. But then that headbutt comes in and ruins everything. And I, I know Jean Pascal and Dimitri Bivol have some history. They have fought before, so I would, I, I think there's a possibility for another fight there. And then. But one thing I do really want to see is I want to see this rematch. If a fight mm. ends like this, it, it doesn't feel Ought that to get good. another shot it, at it. It reminds me of Amir Khan and Terrence Crawford, the low blow to end it. It, yeah, it just yeah. doesn't. It leaves mm. a sour taste in my mouth. Definitely. Now, moving on to the main event for that card on Fox, we had Adam Konaki defeating... Chris Ariola via a unanimous decision. And prior to the fight, Chris Ariola came out and said, if I lose to Kunaki, I will retire. If this kid, he's got nothing on me. If I get beat by this kid, it's going to be an embarrassment and I'm going to retire. In the post-fight interview, he said he's going to reach. He's going to talk to his trainers and his family and make an educated decision. 
But, Jared, what did you think of this fight? I, I can't stand the whole retirement conversation because you're robbing us as the fans of the goodbye. Sugar Ray Leonard did it to me. He retired. I cried because I was, you know, seven. And then he came back. And then he retired. And then he came back. And then he retired. And then he came back. And then he retired. And then he came back. And then he retired. And after a while, it's like totally desensitized. And you hear somebody retiring. And at this point, you know, David Ortiz is going on his farewell tour. And you're yeah. like, is this guy going to? play again you know you have fast chris Ariola. you have fans out there if i don't win this is my last fight they're going through those emotions with you dude that's why they are your fans yeah so to come out after the fight well 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 i may not now you've desensitized the emotion that you want your fans to carry with you you've robbed us of our goodbyes and it's not just you it's any other boxer that says i'm gonna go ahead and, and lay the gloves down and and that's 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 my time Time's up. Do a 10 count. Everybody, you know, goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much, you know, and you stand up and you cheer and you have those emotions. And that's why we're watching. Don't rob us of that. You've taken everything else from us with the WBA and the Intercontinental Interim BS. Excuse me. Don't take that from us. Don't take the raw emotion of saying goodbye to our favorite guys. Yeah, I agree with you. So I hated that, to say the very least. And the fight, it was brutal. And that wasn't Chris Ariola's first fight like that, and yeah. he and he really should should retire. Stick around for the flurry because I'm going to talk more about that fight. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was it was a brawl, but the one thing I can say about that fight is they are big guys, and they what they throw does have some power to it. Mm. But none of the shots that they threw seemed like they were throwing with bat cruel intentions. They weren't really looking to knock each other out in my opinion it looked like a tough sparring session yeah well and you talk to neurologists that's what makes it dangerous yeah is not taking that and this fight since we started keeping compu box numbers broke records for punches combined punches thrown combined yeah. punches landed um this was a brutal fight i think both guys landed a thousand shots yeah something or something like, like wow that's that's outrageous now, the other question I have for you coming out of this fight is, can Konaki compete with this upper echelon of heavyweights? <laughs> <laughs> and I think for anybody who's watched the other heavyweights fight and watch him fight, if you saw Joshua and Ruiz, these guys both rocked each other. If you saw Fury and Wilder, these guys both rocked each other. I'd like to say those are the four type heavyweights in the game. All four of those guys punch harder than Chris Ariola, yeah. and Chris Ariola hit this guy with with everything he want, everything he threw. It looked like was I mean, not with that defense. Hell no, no. there is no way he's going to compete with the guys at the top of the game with that kind of defense, unless he's got like literally a granite chin. Ariola is not the greatest puncher in the division, and when Kaunaki faces somebody who hits hard. It's a, it faces a Deontay Wilder type and expects to just let those punches bounce off his face. That's 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 a recipe for disaster, my friend. Yeah, I agree. I don't even think he can get past the Oscar Rivas's, the Dillian Whites, the the Joseph second Park. tier yeah. of the heavyweight division. Yeah, I I I I think those are better fights, but I'd still have a tendency to agree with you. Kaunaki might not be. That was a winnable fight for Ariola. Yeah. I said I said last week it's seven to one odds. Those odds are are too much because Kaunaki's not that much better than Ariola, and I think Ariola showed us that. I had him winning three rounds, and it was you know a winnable fight for him. Let's say. All right, moving on to our current events this week is a little bit of older news, but Evander Holyfield Jr. goes by Evan is deciding to go pro in the sport of boxing, and he signs with the main events promotion. Now, he had a lot to say in a TMZ interview. Starting off, he said he would be better better than his father. I wrote a blog post about it. You can check that out on throwingjabspodcast.com. Good, good write-up, too, Jace. But what did you think of that comment, him being, him thinking he can be better than his father? That's lofty. This is, I, but you love that. Yeah. You know, you got to love that. Hey, Jace, I bet you your father would be a better broadcaster. 
You know, yeah. maybe right now, but no way, pal. I'm I'm drinking milk, and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be better than this guy, no matter who your dad is and what he did for work. Yeah. If you don't think you're gonna grow up and sometimes someday be better and take that over and bring it another step, then you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Yeah. As human beings, that's what we're supposed to do. Pick it up from the last generation, drag it as far as we can before we hand it off to the next generation. So I love that attitude, especially from my from my fighters. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you said it. You hit the nail on the head. But the one big thing from that interview that I don't like is the call out to Canelo Alvarez. He says, Canelo really seems to be the guy to get a fight with. If you beat that guy, Canelo, then you're the man. And that's the mission to be the man. I, I, I like it because he knows he, he has his priorities in check. But also, Canelo is Canelo for a reason. And you haven't even had a professional fight. <laughs> and you're already putting Canelo's name in your mouth. <laughs> I don't like that. What do you think? I love it. <laughs> I love it. Lofty as hell. But if you go back and and listen to and if you really read through what he's saying, it's 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 respectful as it gets from a guy that young. He seems to be the guy to get a fight with. He's talking about finances right there. He's talking about promotion. He's talking about his brand, which he's supposed to be trying to build. So that seems like the guy to get a fight with. Well, yeah, that's obvious. If you beat this guy, you're the man. Okay, that's that's fairly respectful. And you've got your mission has to be to be the man. I love it. All three of those parts, I break it apart. Canelo's the guy to get a fight with. If you beat Canelo, you're the man. My mission is to be the man. He didn't say, I'm ready for a fight with Canelo. You know, yeah. sign it up, Canelo. You don't want no smoke with me. That's not what he said. You know, he said, this is, this is the fighter that you should want to beat. And if there's other guys out there who don't feel like Canelo's the guy to get a fight with, if you beat the Canelo, you're the man, and I want to be the man, then they shouldn't be boxing. Hopefully they're in some other weight class and targeting some other guy with that same emotion. That's what I want from my fighters. Yeah, I loved it. Also, if he is a middleweight, are we sure he's Evander Holyfield's son? Elijah Holyfield, who got drafted by the Carolina Panthers, he is a tank. So if he's this small, I don't, I don't know if he's at an actual Holyfield. But, yeah. That's another that, – that Elijah Holyfield <laughs> kid is another story. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. We we spoke about Canelo, and this is where this is the mind-boggling. This story coming out that the IBF is stripping Canelo Alvarez of his middleweight title that he just won May fourth against Daniel <laughs> Jacobs. That that that's how he won this IBF middleweight title. They're stripping him. Because he he failed to agree to a fight with who the hell is this guy? Sergey Durachenko? Durvachenko? I don't even know. But Durevyanchenko. It's ridiculous. So Canelo <laughs> Alvarez. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? You have Charlo. You have Andrade. You have Triple G and. This guy's taking a belt from you, not even in the ring. And then it's just mind-boggling because also this is the second belt Canelo has lost in a month. Charlo took Canelo's belt in his last fight because he was the interim title holder. And then he beats Brandon Adams and they just give him the real belt. That's not how you win a belt. Seriously. It's You're ridiculous. supposed to beat the other guy and win it in the ring. Also... His super middleweight championship got demoted to a regular championship when he won it from Triple G, when he beat Triple G. Mm -hmm. It got demoted to a regular championship, and now Callum Smith has the real championship. This belt stuff is nonsense, and it's just ridiculous. Canelo is the top earner in the sport he is the guy in the sport of boxing right now yeah you want as many belts as you can on this guy 
and it's just absurd what they what they have done to him. It's the argument people make for Javante Davis and Farmer. Davis should fight Farmer because you want to go get all the belts, right? Well, no, not if they're going to take them take them from you right afterward. I talk about the Elo system: fighter A beats fighter B, fighter B beats fighter C. One can assume fighter A is better than fighter C. And here we are in live time. This Derevian P of guy here, uh, Derev Derevianchenko, thirteen and one. You know who that one loss is? Two fights ago, a guy that had the belt, he got his title shot against Daniel Jacobs, okay, and lost. And then Daniel Jacobs went on to fight. Canelo Alvarez and lost. There's yeah. fighter A, B, and C. And now you're telling me because fighter A won't fight fighter C, who he already beat, the guy that beat him, they're going to strip him of the belt. So what does the title belt mean when you take it from Canelo and give it to one of these other guys because they fight each other and they both lost to Canelo? It's a trinket for whoever the better guy was that night, and that's what these belts have become. And I hate to reiterate it on every bullet point, but at the end of the day, it's like boxing, there are fixes for this stuff. Yeah. And they've, they've dropped the ball so ridiculously that every fight, there's part, that's, the corruption is something you have to bring up. Every topic. It's ridiculous, and it, it just grinds my gears. Boxing, the promoters should want to make money. You're not going to make money oh, against Derevchenko or whatever. <laughs> You're going to make money on a Triple G fight that you can make a pay-per-view, not just this Chenko guy you throw on the zone. You, you, you're going to make money off an Andrade fight. The only people watching this fight are wherever Darren Chenko's from, Poland or one one of the eastern block countries, yep. and then Mexico. Those are the only people watching this fight because it's Canelo and then wherever this guy's from. Yeah. But uh, we, we have statements coming out from, first off, Oscar De La Hoya. He's got a couple quotes here from, from his statement to ESPN. First off, he calls it an insult of boxing, it which is. it is. And then he uh, he says, this validates already existing concerns about the credibility of the IBF championship. I mean, if you are going to do this to Canelo like they have, there's definitely credibility issues. Well, yeah, that's, that's about as understated as it gets. Concerns about the credibility of yeah. the IBF is like saying, you know, um, I'm... I'm I'm planning on getting some water over the course of this week. You know, like yeah. I'm going to, yeah, this is inherent in the design. It's in their business plan to be corrupt. So to say I have concerns about the credibility, no. Like you said, it's in their best interest to be corrupt at some points, which, yeah. is, which means the system is broken. And then De La Hoya also goes into talking about uh Derevchenko's promoter and says it's an unprecedented amount of money for a fighter of his limited stature and limited popularity. I don't get he should he should be fighting Canelo for free just for the belt. Like he doesn't need what why why How would you press the get? money? You, I understand it's Canelo. You're already regardless of anything, you're going to be making more money just for fighting Canelo. So why keep ticking it up? Why why try to push it and start adding more money? No one knows who you are. <laughs> it's just throw it. Yeah. <laughs> when they when it's not the sponsors uh, knocking down your door, but it's the uh, promoters, you've got a problem. You know they're taking instead of giving. At that point, you're gonna have to. That's and if and if and if um you'd like to come on our show, Mr. Derevian Derevian Chank, Chank, and tell us how to pronounce your name. <laughs> um, I think it's Derevianchenko. So if I don't hear from you, that's what I'm going to go with. Derevianchenko. Yeah, and he's right. This guy's limited stature and limited popularity don't put him. It infuriates me because you look at the list of the sanctioning bodies top tens, and you'll find the next guy the champion's fighting at like two, three, or four. And then that guy won't be on any of the other lists. Nobody else has this guy ranked. And you guys have him as a mandatory opponent. Canelo comes out and says on his Twitter, I'm very upset and ashamed with my, with my fans to be unfairly stripped of my belt by the IBF. But 
especially when I did not have the knowledge of the agreement that GBP, Golden Boy Promotions, Matchmaker had signed. First off, this is translated from Spanish, so obviously there's going to be grammatical errors. But to have a belt get stripped from you on an agreement that you don't even know is going on, (laughs) that's just the IBF, that's just a spitting in Canelo's face. Yeah, I can't. I don't. It's hard to even know what to say. It's like, you didn't tell me I was supposed to fight that guy. Yeah, but you didn't fight that guy. Well, somebody's got to alert me that this is next on my list to do before you say I'm not the best fighter. Those titles were supposed to tell us who the best fighter was. You know, you can't take them from... and And it's starting to happen every time. The guys fight, and then they take the belts back and give it to somebody else, you know? Yeah, they want every fight to be a title fight because it's in their best interest, and they they dupe the average fan, average fan with that. A new new development in this story coming out yesterday that the IBF orders Triple G and this this Derevianchenko, this chump, must get a deal done by September fourth. I, I I don't get it. I guess Triple G can go in, get a knockout, get a belt, make a bigger make a bigger case for him to get get a, another Canelo fight, but... Is his name, just out of curiosity, I'm going to go a little off topic here, is his name in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody? Derevianchenko, come a bolt of lightning. <laughs> is that it? It could be. Maybe they're saying, maybe that's a shout out to him and he's got more uh, popularity than we than we first. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. No, he's... but Triple G should walk over this guy, and I don't understand why anybody would order those two to fight each other. Yeah, I mean, sense. it's a Triple G should take it. It's a free. It's a free belt, and Canelo's already set. Come out and said he's gonna take some time off, and you'll he's get it back from the guy that beat you through yeah. a guy that didn't beat either one of you. What is that the champion of? <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Lawyers are going to start winning championships just off contract. You know what this is? This is two little brothers deciding that there should be a light heavyweight championship. Because <laughs> neither one of them can beat that third brother. So that, well, how about me and you have our own belt and we'll fight for that. And then whoever wins out of me, you gets to be a champion. That's and that's what we have going on here is you got the little brothers fighting and we don't you know necessarily want to see I'd, I'd rather see Triple G Canelo again at least I know it's two of the guys at the top of the game and yeah. not a guy that Jacobs beat who both of those guys beat that's now a mandatory how did he how did he end up a mandatory where is the math somebody because I'm a math guy I'm a numbers guy somebody yeah. sit me down and show me the math that brought you to Derevianchenko being a mandatory opposition for one of these guys after losing to Jacobs. Just just show me the algorithm that spits that guy's name out. It's not my ELO formula that I that I that, I, that I'm such a proponent for in boxing. It's not that. And I don't think there is any math you could attach to this that would no. spit that guy's name out of a program. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. All right, moving on from it cuz I'm I'm just going to get more and more Yeah, yeah, we We have some good news. Tyson Fury will face Otto Wallen. He's 20-0, 28-year-old from Sweden, on September 14th in Vegas. What do you think of this, Jerry? Why? Why? This on this whole on, on this whole cast, this is the, one of the biggest mismatches we'll talk about. And he's 20-0, so it's time yeah. for a test. But what kind of test do you want him to get? How many? All right, now we fought a guy that was 1 and 0. He fought a guy that was 5 and 1. He fought another guy that was 8 and 1 that has since lost 8 fights in a row and he's now 8 and 9. So the question the question I have for you just a guess. He's 20 and 0. How many of those 20 guys he beat currently have a winning record? I don't know. 6. 6. Jeez. 6. 11 of those 20 had losing records when he fought them. And three of them went on to lose a bunch of fights and, and lopsided the other direction. So six, and none of those six guys is very impressive. These guys aren't over 500 by a lot. Uh, yeah, you go through the list of opponents, and it's just it's just all in Sweden, and it's all... I couldn't find an amateur record for this guy. It You just fought Tom Swartz. You looked amazing. If you needed an Otto Wallen, it was Tom Swartz. 
you did that already. So this is this this one's a, a questionable next move for for Fury. It, Ali would have called it the bum of the month club. You know, yeah. you could do that. You could fight a guy like this once a month and and literally just walk over him two three rounds, look spectacular, and do it once a month. And it and it'd be more profitable than fighting the other champions every six months. Yeah, this is just a fight to tide him over to, I guess February when they're gonna have the rematch with Wilder. But also going back, assuming to, they both make it yeah, there, yeah. yeah. But going back to Wallen is a tomato can, and I fully expect Fury to just mop the floor with him. The thing with the Schwartz fight was Schwartz was twenty-one; he was a young guy, so there was at least a little bit of hope you could have had with him being young and him possibly making a name for himself with this. But this is just. Middle of the road guy, twenty and zero. Yeah, this is this is a fight that Fury's expected to just mop the floor with him. And this does, I think, Wilder does benefit from this because he is not fighting tomato cans. He finds the guy that is the toughest. He finds the guy that people say, "Oh, you shouldn't be fighting this guy," and he challenges them, and he he takes them on. Even Brazil, Brazil wasn't a tomato can by any means. No, point. no, that he can fight for sure. And Wilder mm. mopped the floor with him. Well, the thing that bothers me is that the on the other side of this, not just for the champions fighting people that aren't up to speed, but for Otto Wallen, this is this was the plan. Listen, my 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 wife is beautiful. I outkicked outkicked my coverage by a good 20, 30 yards. And there was a time I started training her. She's boxing a little bit. She's, you know, early 20s. And I'm like, hey, you get in the gym for two, three years. Because of your looks and personality, people could make you into a little makeshift champion. You get the right trainer. You take all the right fights. You fight people that have no wins and no losses and are just there to fight you and have no idea what's going on. And then after you're 14-0, you get a title fight. You make a half a million dollars on a pay-per-view undercard or wherever we can get you up to. That was the game plan for Wallen from the outset. You're a yeah. big guy. You're minorly athletic. Go 20-0 and 0 and then get millions for a pay-per-view and some, you know, Peter McNeely. That was the game plan the whole time yeah. is to go get my head knocked off in one fight where I just swing for the fences a few times and get beat up and go 20-1. and 1. That was the whole, that was the, like, I don't, I'm not sure. It doesn't look like Wellen ever had plans to be a title, a title fighter because the trajectory of his career was never going to get him there. His plan yeah. was to go 20 and 0 against weak opposition and then get a big money fight. Yeah. Based on your 20 and 0 record, which is why we need the ELO system, a, a number that accurately reflects how good these guys are. So I don't have to dig in and find out that he fought 14 losers. Losing records, and now he's getting a title fight against Dyson Fury. It doesn't make any sense at all. Also, with this, going back to the IBF nonsense that's going on, Fury, when he beat Schwartz, he became the WBA mandatory challenger. So he could have gone, he could have gone through, gone in the office and took in the belt from Andy Ruiz, and that could be on the line here. But no, he comes out, he says, I'm going to fight this guy, and then I'll go take Wilder. Yeah. This is how boxing should be done. This is how championships should happen. If you want to throw an interim title on this, I, I'm not opposed to it. But who but knows? interim should be for one fight. Yeah, you I should never be an, You should never be an interim champion and have had a fight. Yeah. You have a fight, you're, you're crowned the interim champion, your next fight is for the belt, and the interim championship goes away. Yeah, I agree with you. He is also the lineal champion, whatever that whatever weight that For holds. what it's worth, yeah. What a, yeah. yeah. So, moving on. We're going to cover this for the fights this weekend, but for top-ranked boxing on ESPN Plus this Saturday from Philadelphia, it was going to be headlined by former former IBF junior featherweight, WBA junior lightweight, and WBO interim featherweight champion Carl Frampton taking on 
Emmanuel Dominguez. But Carl Frampton is forced to pull out with two broken bones in his left hand due to a freak accident where a concrete pillar fell on his hand. That's uh, crazy. And I, I was actually pretty excited for this fight because Manuel Dominguez, is a, is, he's all right. And we've seen Carl Frampton do some good stuff. One of ESPN's top featherweights in the division. So he is solid. And I think this was going to be a solid fight. What do you think of the news coming out that it's... Uh, unfortunate. I like Frampton. I think he's a, I think he's a good fighter. I think this was probably a good next step for him. And uh, that's, that's unfortunate. Concrete pillar fell on his hand, huh? Yeah. So, Jeez. just a freak accident. Uh, and if you want to watch Top Rank this Saturday, they, they do have some up-and-coming fights. But this was the fight. That the, that's why it was the headline. The rest are set up to show off their talent. So, if you want to watch that, go ahead. But we have a Who You Got this week. So ESPN just released an article on their website on how USC's QB Jack Sears is using boxing to get ready for this up and coming football season. So with that being said, I thought it'd be fun to discuss uh, what NFL QB do you think would be the best in the boxing ring? Well, first I want to say boxing is, is probably for my taste, the greatest cross-training cross you're going to get for any sport. Yeah. Something you can do on your feet. It's something that if you it's if you do it safely, there's not a lot of risk for injury, you know, even if even tennis has more inju- injuries per participant than boxing does. Yeah. When you do it right, <clears throat> um, it, it can be done to help you get better at any other thing. So NFL quarterback would be the best boxer. Man. I would love to line up a 32-man bracket and let yeah. these quarterbacks have at it, Fitzpatrick and Eli Manning. I mean, you'd sell, you'd sell as many tickets to that as you did to their NFL games. So I ended up, um, I think when you, have it, when you don't know anything about technique or skill, you have athleticism and weight as the two main contributing factors. And guys like Ben Roethlisberger aren't very athletic, but he's big. Yeah. Um, my final four, Jameis Winston was tough to kick off of this list. Uh, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, those two based on athleticism, and a really, really tough guy. We talked about him earlier. I don't love him as a quarterback, even though he plays for my team. But Dak Prescott yeah, is Dak. durable and athletic, and, um, and he loses in the championship. He loses in the title fight at the end of my tournament to a guy just because weight classes are every seven pounds in boxing. They do that for a reason. It gives you an advantage. You have to go with Cam Newton here as the biggest, most athletic, and that's all we really get to pick from. Yeah, I I think Cam Newton is the easy favorite here. Um, QB is a position that is notable for being like the pretty boys and that stuff. Yeah. But when Cam Newton gets the ball and he's running, he trucks people. Oh yeah. So Cam Newton definitely has the toughness. He definitely has the athleticism and he definitely has the size, but one, one, (laughs) I think he is definitely the favorite. Yeah. No, I'm laughing because I asked my wife about this one before I left the house. And she says, <laughs> the goat would get his ass kicked. Yeah, yeah, Tom Brady would Brady get, get beat up in this mess. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one, my underdog, I'd have to say, is Aaron Rodgers. He has come out multiple really? times. He says he, he trains a lot of boxing during the offseason oh, for his cardio. See, that's a different wrinkle. He is, he's, he's got, he's decent size, 6'2", 225. Mm-hmm. And uh, they... For the combine, they don't measure wingspan, but his arm length is 32 and a quarter, so which is solid. Comparing to he's he's got a inch and a half less than Cam Newton, who's three inches taller. That's 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 pretty solid. I I, I think Aaron Rodgers could be dark horse danger, huh? Yeah, I, yeah. I think 
seeing as how he does have some experience with boxing, he can use some fundamentals and get by and get past and sort of wear out the big heavy hitters, you know. Huh. Because football, the cardio isn't that best, that great, especially for QBs when you're going for not like five boxing at a time. Mm. Yeah, there's being in shape and then there's being in boxing shape, and they're two different things. You can play football when you're in shape. Yeah, and also Aaron Rodgers is a tough QB. Yeah, he's someone who will go out there with an injury and perform. So I yeah, well, and if he understands that. the physics of the of the jab, it yeah. gives you uh, just that in and of itself will give you an advantage over the general public. So so yeah, hey, I still like Cam, but yeah, put, put Rodgers in there somewhere. Yeah, He'll probably beat Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> now moving on. To our previews for this weekend, we did have the top rank on here, but sadly the main event has been called off as we talked about earlier. But Golden Boy Boxing on the zone is this Saturday as well from Texas. Walter Waits, Virgil Ortiz, and Antonio Orsco. Orozco. Orozco. They they go head to head. Ortiz thirteen and zero. Orozco, 28-1, and they both have had solid opponents. Yes. This is a fun fight to watch. You guys are going to want to tune in. This is this is the must-see. We were, we were dead on with Booker and Ramirez yeah. two weeks back saying, this is the if you only see one fight this week. Well, that's, that's this one yeah. this week. Virgil Ortiz Jr., Antonio Orozco. I'm telling you, Orozco can fight. This is the type of fight where the guy's undefeated, and you don't know how good he can be. Yeah. And he's fighting somebody better than he's ever fought before. So we're going to find out about this Ortiz kid. Yeah, we're going to find out about the young boy because Orozco... You know, it's it's similar to what I said last week about Jean Pascal and Marcus Brown. Is we're gonna find out about Marcus Brown. This is his best guy to date. He's undefeated. We don't know how good this guy can be. He was a medalist in the Olympics. Yeah, Virgil Ortiz Jr. Same same story. We don't know how good he, he can be, but we're gonna find out something about him this weekend. <laughs> yeah, let's hope it doesn't end the same way. Though. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, <laughs> let's hope they get the uh, the the final to get get to a final bell or a knockout. Yeah, I think this is. Definitely the first big test for Virgil Ortiz, and this shows how good of an up-and-comer he can be. But also, Orozco, if he can get past this this young, hungry lion, I think that could put him in talks for a potential title shot. Definitely catapults his name back into the, back into the discussion, for sure. Yep, and so we're a little light on the previews this week. No title fights, just... This solid card of up-and-coming Lions trying to get a title shot. And that's it for the previews for this week. But we're going to end it like we always end it. And Jared, hit me with that flurry. Ariola and Kaunaki broke the record, just to reiterate, for the most punches landed since we started keeping track of landed punches. Chris Ariola has had... A number of fights, if you go back through against top, top heavyweight opposition. He fought Wilder. He fought Klitschko. And those were not light fights. We've got a neurological discrepancy, disparity of what people believe in our game about how to, keep, how to best keep people safe. I've talked about the ELO score to keep the matchup safe. But for situations like this, Anthony Alessi and Michael Swartz, two of the top doctors in the boxing game, have come up with something called a fight exposure score. There's a couple other doctors involved. But this is, again, numbers that correlate to those, the, those punch stats that could, tell, that could put an actual mathematically formulated number next to Chris Ariola's name that could tell the average person what I know about Chris Ariola. He's taken too many punches. He's not going to get better than where he is now. He's going to continue to fall off. 
and his chin is too good to leave his brain in there taking the kind of punishment it's taking. It's time for him to wrap it up. And as as bigger proponent as I am on the ELO system, because I think it in the long run it, it's better for fans and helps keep fighters safe, this isn't one of those better for fans arguments. This is one of those keeps fighters safe arguments. It's not going to be better for me as a fan when they tack this fighter exposure score on and our Arturo Gattis start to get to the end of their career before they want them to. But let's face it, don't we wish Arturo Gatti stopped a little bit earlier and that story didn't end the way that it ended. His punishment that he took in the ring talk to the people in the know it had everything to do with the fall whatever happened at the end there either way that was involved somehow if we can do a better job of protecting these guys who who if the recent events haven't told you are risking their lives to be involved in a sport that they love and that is their profession we have to do everything we can possibly do to keep the stories from ending like that. And Chris Ariola is a prime candidate for having a story end in a way that nobody as a human being, I don't care how much you love boxing, no human beings want another human being's story to go the route that he's on, the path that he's on right now. You begin and you end on that same path, that's a problem. There comes a time when you should be forced out of the game because you've just done too much. Thank you, Chris Ariola. Thank you. As a fan, legitimately, yeah. thank you for what you've brought to this game, for what you've gave, given to this game. I've seen you cry after fights. I teared up with you. I watched you take too many punches in your last fight, and it's time to wrap it up. Thank you. But that end of the fight where you say maybe you're not going to retire... I've seen too much and I'm starting to watch the punishment and watch the wear and watch your words change and go, this is, this is the type of thing that will chase our greatest fans away. And, uh, the fight exposure score, look it up. It's a good idea. That's it. Thank you, man. Yeah, I agree with you. So I think there is a point where the athletic commissions need to come in and say, Hey, you're mentioning retirement. I don't think this is a good idea for you to take another fight. Or going back to when Golden Boy tried to get into MMA with Liddell Ortiz 3, those guys are both old, old guys. Yeah. And I, I think there needs to be a point where a commission comes in and says, nah, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I understand it's going to make money, but we need to put you, your health ahead of that. Yeah, well, or or take or take the breaks out or less rounds. I mean, we knew after five rounds, Ariola looked good in the first. He looked good a couple rounds later. But it's not they could those guys could have gone twenty five rounds like that. Yeah, neither one of them was getting knocked out. Neither one of them was going to tire too much with three minutes and then a one minute break and then three minutes and then a one minute break. They could have done that literally all night. And you heard both of their corners say that to them. We could do this all night. Yeah. We could go 20 rounds like this. That was true. And in the 10 rounds they went, they took more punishment than anybody. 12, 12 rounds. rounds. They, they took more punishment in those 12 rounds than any other heavyweights have in history. Yeah. We need to look at those guys different than, than, than Tyson Fury after how, you know the 82 seconds he spends in the ring with Otto. You know, yeah. we can't just shine a light in their eyes and keep it moving. We have to really look at the fact that Chris Ariola has taken... And if Kaunaki keeps fighting like that, he shouldn't have any more than three or four fights. They should be cognizant of the permanent damage they're doing to themselves. And these sanctioning bodies should be more worried about that stuff than they are about building up a fighter's name to get him paid and then go get him killed later. Yeah. Also, that shouldn't have been the main event. That shouldn't have been 12 rounds. It would have been fine. Ten rounds, co-main event. Eight, six. Like I said, yeah. after five, I was like, okay, well, that's the guy. That's the guy that's got it right there. You know, it's yeah. this is Kaunaki all all day. Yeah, and after they could five, do I, I tuned into the Red Sox Yankees games because I knew you how figured this was out what was going to happen. Yeah. and nobody's getting knocked out. Yeah, too long. 
Too long. Take the if if they can fight like that, yeah. Take a, a, a one twenty minute round or or short thirty second breaks or only five rounds. There's got to be a way to keep guys that could just keep fighting and fighting and fighting from doing it. You know, they literally could have gone 20, 25 rounds like that. And that can't be good for anybody. The fans, like you said, we're bored and tune out after five. We yeah. don't have the attention span for 12, three minute rounds unless it's. And at the rate you would need to be going to keep us interested, you'd be exhausted. You'll never make it yeah. that many rounds. So shorten the rounds because just like, just like a sprinter versus a marathon runner. You tell a sprinter to run a marathon, you know what they're going to do in the beginning? They're going to jog. Then they're going to get a little yeah. faster. And at the end, they're going to hit their sprint. And they're not going to be like 40-yard 40, 40 dash time. But that's going to be everything they have left to where they're totally exhausted right before they hit the finish line. If you make it one three-minute round, they're going to go in there and try to kill each other. You make it five rounds, eight rounds, ten rounds. The more rounds you make, the slower they're going to go. And when they do pick it up... It's going to be just enough to recoup and get another round in. So if guys can just box for, for an hour, two hours straight, then we need to put the limitations on it. And there should be limitations on punches, punches landed. And uh, Chris Ariola, like I said, perfect candidate to, to put on the scale, the neurological scale, so to speak, and, and look at the punches he's taken and how much punishment he's had over the course of the career and... It's time, dude. Wrap it up. Yeah, I agree with you completely. <clears throat> and that's going to be it for the show. Thank you, Jared, for the, the flurry and coming by. If the fans want to read out, reach out to you, how can they reach out to you? Uh, scrubscraps.com, by the way, is about to blow up. Remember I said that. Okay. But uh, scrubscraps.com, we have uh, Scrub Scraps Group on Facebook. Um, Jared Jones or Scrub Scraps on all the platforms. All right, and you guys can keep up with the show on Throwing Jabs on Twitter and like the Facebook page, as well as keep going to the website daily for blogs, throwingjabspodcast.com, as well as we should be uploading segments from this show in video form. On the YouTube channel, which is Throwing Jabs Boxing Podcast. So that will be it for the show. Thank you guys for listening. And peace out.